Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. It is Tuesday, May 21st. Some time has elapsed since I last spoke with you all. Because uh, I've been at Nebula Conference. In case you didn't know, I suspect most of you did. Uh, I know my mom missed <laughs> my podcast, if nobody else. And, uh, yes, obviously, I did not. I'm still assembling my London fog here. <coughs> Excuse me. Got a little bit of, um, you know, like, mucusy stuff from flying and changing climates. It snowed here last night. So I would say that I went from sunny Los Angeles to uh, snowy Santa Fe, except that it was cold in Los Angeles, too, uh, unusually. So we may really be hitting the end times here. Uh, the Los Angeles people were just miserable. It's cold and rainy and windy. Um, but it was lovely there. We had a good time. I know I, I, it would be such a great opportunity for me to do first cup of coffee with other people there. But, um, you know, mornings are just difficult to do. Actually, all time becomes difficult at the conference, you know. So I feel like I um, do my best to get sufficient sleep. And then when I wake up in the morning, I, you know, have things I want to do before I kick into the rest of the day. I only ran once. Um <clears throat> But at least I did that. And then I, uh, you know, I was trying to get some writing done, working up the new shiny for Sarah. We talked last Monday, and the stuff I have for that is very promising. So I was trying to get some writing done in the mornings before we kicked into the business of the day. But, you know, every day I had um, some kind of... uh, my lighter stopped working while I was gone. And where my matches went. It's funny how, like, you're gone for a week and things sort of begin to fall apart from neglect. Okay, here's some matches. So, yeah, every day I had something um, in the morning. I had, you know, either meetings... That started always by 8.30 or 9. I had meetings or panels or um, breakfasts with, like, mentees, which I know counts as meetings, but felt slightly different. All right, now here's my tea. Mm, It's so nice to have my tea again. Although I had good options there. And there was a Starbucks. I only hit it a couple of times because I feel like this Starbucks... London fog is a lot more sugary than mine. And I don't love the sugar alternates. So, so yeah, you know, it was just, um, just wasn't the right atmosphere and opportunity for the podcast. I think I'd really have to plan it, really schedule it in. But then it bumps other things, you know, and changing time zones and all of that. So, so, yeah, that's that's what, you know, and then once I record it, even though it's not very long, then I have to get back to the room and upload it. You know, I 
really don't even talk to David all that much. We text, and sometimes I call him while I'm putting on my makeup in the morning. But, you know, there's not a lot of other time. I'm usually pretty busy, and even when I have gaps in my schedule, I usually end up, you know, like I'll take a, I think, oh, well, I'll go up to my room and work on the computer for an hour or two, and then as I'm passing through the lobby, I'll see somebody I haven't talked to yet, and I'll end up sitting down and talking to them, which, you know, I feel like is a good prioritization for a conference, because as I often advise people, the thing about conferences is that you can have in-person conversations with people uh, that, and you will find out things that you will not find out any other way because there are always and forever things that people will say to you in person that they won't put on the internet and they'll even hesitate to say on the phone. But if you sit down and have a conversation, <clears throat> people will tell you things, which is why the mentee meetings are good things to have. So, um, really great conference. It was a busy week. Uh, We could talk about the Amanda Palmer concert. That's going to be a big thing to talk about because it really does feed into art and audience. I enjoyed it to an extent. Um, I thought that it was problematic in other ways, especially from an audience perspective. So I'm going to write down a note because I don't really want to go into, I don't want to spend today's whole podcast talking about that. (laughs) Now my notes have disappeared too. How can things move while I'm gone? That's a good question. All right, here we go. I would say that like people come into my office and mess around, but it would only be David and I know he doesn't. <laughs> All right. Well, that's not a good pen. Isn't this a fun podcast, listening to me scrabble through things? All right, there we go. Amanda Palmer concert. All right, I might podcast about that later this week or blog about it tomorrow because it is an interesting question. I'll probably podcast about it since I don't know that I really want to criticize what she's doing in a blog post, you know, because I, I do have a lot of respect for what Amanda Palmer's doing, and I and I am still a fan. So, um, we did that. It was a late night. We drank a lot of wine. We had fun. Um, you know, the the first few days were just kind of hanging out with my friends and doing beach, but also working on my night presentation that I had to do, which I hadn't done until I got there, and then um, also working on this new project for Sarah, which I did get um, some reasonable work done on, so that was good. And then um, Wednesday and Wednesday we did strategic visioning all day. I mean that started at like eight thirty with breakfast and um, went all the way through 
evening until, you know, we did went out to dinner together and I got back at like done. So that was a long day. Um, and then Thursday was the board meeting, which I had to pop out from a couple times um, once to go do that Ignite presentation and another time to go do a panel. And at lunch, I, what did I do at lunch? I don't, I didn't, I was going to have lunch with somebody and then I, oh, with Kelly because we'd been seeing each other before. And I begged off to go work on something in my room, which is now a blur. Uh, board meetings went all day. It was kind of funny because, you know, we get there early and nobody's there yet. And then people start arriving on Thursday. And by the time we get out of the board meeting on Thursday evening, it's like the conference has started without us. <laughs> it's like in full swing. And we run into people and they'll say, oh, did you just get here? And they're like, oh, no, that's right. You've been in board meetings. But they were very productive board meetings. Um, I'm really happy about what we've got. Good plan. Um, Mary Robinette Cole, who is our new president, president elect, she doesn't start till July 1st, but she uh, sat in on the meetings and she was great. I'm really excited about her presidency. She's got some good ideas going forward. And then, uh, yeah, and then it was like lots of panels, which all of mine were really great. I, it was just a fantastic year. We had, um, last year we had 325 people at the conference. It's always been a very small conference. And this year we were up to 475. So that was a big jump for us. And we're going to have to do some planning for the future to accommodate those numbers. Uh But, you know, it was um, wonderful conversations with lots of people and it very productive and fun. So as I think of things, I will tell you, we had uh, some great conversations. Um, the last panel on Sunday afternoon was one that I did with uh, C.L. Polk, whose novel Witchmark was nominated for a Hugo and... Um, Amanda, well, I don't know what Amanda's last name. She was writing as Ada Harper for Karina. And now she has a new book out with Ace as um, A.J. Hawkwith. That's right here. I'm looking for it. She gave me an, off, an, an arc. A.J. Hawkwith. And it's called The Library of the Unwritten. So that looks interesting. And then Mary Robinette was the moderator, and she did a great job moderating because it was a somewhat nebulous topic, and I knew, I could tell that it was one that she had put together as she had the question and wanted us to riff on it. And she even said at some point, because somebody said, well, you know, we should put together, a, you know, something to get together some people to think about this problem. And she points at the panel, and she says, I did. <laughs> so the question was, she posited that romance is structure and science fiction and fantasy are set dressing. And so the idea is, you know, and she asked us to, to refute it. Um, 
I'm letting the steam out of my steel cutouts. All right, there we go. You know, and ask this what the structure of a science fiction story or a fantasy story would be as opposed to a romance story. Or even we ended up talking about like the structure of a horror story or the structure of a mystery or a thriller. And we ended up coming around to that there is really no set structure for science fiction or fantasy that we could think of. Everyone we could think of, we could also think of examples for. And um, <clears throat> it's... We ended up coming up with that. It's actually uh, Chelsea Polk, that CL is, uh, her name is Chelsea. Uh, she ended up calling it a milieu, which turned out to be a very useful word. And we ended up with like flavor, that science fiction and fantasy is a flavor. So it stimulated great conversation with the audience. And I'm still thinking about it. And by the end of the panel, all of us were thinking about things for our stories that we would um, ways to play with that flavor. So, you know, that's really the most fun kind of panel there is, is when you learn things from your fellow panelists. Uh, so, yeah, all that. And then I flew home yesterday, Monday, and it, the cold and rain from Los Angeles had made it to New Mexico. And then it snowed a little bit last night. It didn't freeze very hard, though, so I don't think... Our flowers will be impacted. A lot of the flowers bloomed while I was gone. And I will uh, post a picture of my my peony that bloomed while I was gone. That was beautiful. And then last night, Dave and I caught up on the last two episodes of Game of Thrones. I waited to watch them uh, until I got back to watch with him. Which took some doing because Sunday evening, uh, all the people who were still at the conference had the big screen TV in one of the big meeting rooms that they all watched the season finale together. And so I did not go to watch it. And then I just, and I didn't go to the bar after because I knew I would not be able to avoid spoilers because everyone would be talking about it. And I needed to like chill anyway so it was it was fine it worked out well <clears throat> adding my blueberries to my oatmeal so at this point I'm going to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones some thoughts on that since they're heavy on my mind if you don't want spoilers for the last two episodes I'll go away now but this will be the last time I swallow our Game of Thrones, right? There have been some funny cartoons about that. So, <laughs> you know, it was funny after David and I finished the final episode. I was kind of guessing what was coming and where they were going to go with it. And after the final episode, David and I were, you know, it was a lot. Because it was um, like almost three hours. Well, 2.45 for the last two episodes. No, really, it was only two and a half, but it felt longer. Um, you know, we just, like, we're like, all right, so there's that. We didn't even talk about it for a little while. Um, so at the end, 
Right, you know this. Don't you know you're gonna get seriously spoiled if you're still here. Although I could see it coming. Um Jon Snow kills Daenerys because she's become the mad queen. And the showrunners have said that George R. R. Martin told them way long ago that that's how it would end. That they've known from season three that they were working towards this. And they're saying, oh, well, there's been glimmers all along of Daenerys being, you know, this tyrannical and power-mad person and that, you know, that her family has, you know, this madness in it and that he had to kill her. And I just think they totally failed to persuade us of that. Uh, and an interesting point is that they said that they uh, took as their inspiration the season finale for um, Breaking Bad, which is kind of astonishing because the season finale of Breaking Bad is widely considered to be brilliant. It is so well written that it is the inevitable conclusion of Walter White's arc. And by the time that show ends, it's like it could not have ended in any other way. You absolutely believe in that ending. And that's because the character is solid. What happened with Game of Thrones is I think had George written it and had they followed George's lines, we probably would have believed it. Uh, But what happened instead was over time, as the series progressed, they changed the character arcs. The world changed. It's sort of like that, um, you know, like we talk about the butterfly effect, you make small changes and it ripples throughout. The characters affected each other in different ways. You know, in the books... You know, Sansa's not even there. I, she, she's probably dead because George had said that, you know, I'd given the list of like the five protagonists who would still be alive at the end, and Sansa's not one of them. And she's been, in the books, been parked at the Vale forever, probably just waiting for her <laughs> terrible sacrificial death. Um, the, the fast changes that they all made with. Jamie making the decision to go be with Cersei, even though he had changed. Uh, His relationship with Brienne had changed, had affected him, which was not part of the books. Um, You know, Daenerys having the friendship with Tyrion changed things. And... uh, Sorry, I got distracted because David came home. So all of these things changed. He'd been out driving. It changed the arc of the characters, you know, so that we no longer believed that Daenerys was a bad, cruel, and mad person because she had been persuaded to to change her mind. And also she had never, she had never attacked innocence, and so there was absolutely no reason for her to to level level King's Landing, except for that it made Germanic CGI. Um, and, I, and I saw one spoiler I did get, and it did surprise me a bit, was like, you know, that entire battle could have been avoided if she had just 
flown Drogon up to that really tall palace at the top of the hill where Cersei is standing on the fucking balcony and uh, just blazed her. <laughs> there was no reason for her to take revenge on the city, except that she was supposed to be mad, which is why John has to kill her. And I didn't believe that he would be able to kill her. And overall, I think it shows a the typical Hollywood disregard for love. That um, <laughs> Daenerys falling in love with Jon Snow would have profoundly changed who she was. It would have profoundly changed who he was. You know, in this having a pithy conversation with Tyrion over about love over duty <laughs> doesn't change that. You know, and I think that's one of my primary. Well, not my primary. There are so many things to complain about. But I I really, really hate when the transformative power of love is ignored and treated as if it is meaningless and has no effect. So I will no doubt have more to say later, but I do think that... Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, but I suspect that this will go down as one of the great cautionary tales about how to take a final season and completely destroy a series. You know, down people are so upset. You know, and it has to be said that, um, not, not just that people are so upset. I, I was thinking about my next thing to say. Um, it... They they destroyed the carefully built story by corrupting the ending. And I've talked some about how the ending can often be the most important part of the story. And this is going to be a great example about how a bad ending, a corrupted ending, can reach tentacles back and make the entire rest of the story meaningless. And then I'm go- I wanted to add that uh, by destroying... Cersei and Daenerys at the end of the story, it feels hugely misogynistic. And I know that people argue and say, well, you know, Jon Snow gets exiled and Sansa's Queen of the North. And it's like, I don't care if Sansa's Queen of the North. Um, Sansa has her own quiet arc, yes. But, you know, Cersei and Daenerys were the huge, powerful women battling to be queen. And they both ended up getting destroyed through their own power and madness, you know, and that feels very much like a chastisement of, you know, like Hillary Clinton and, you know, like, oh, you can't put a woman in power because she'll just be crazy. Um, Arya doesn't count either because Arya's like going off on her own to be the lone adventurer. Yeah, you know, she's a, a cool character and she does interesting things, but she's very safely not in power. And, Sansa's queen of the north, but, you know, what's the north going to do? They stay up at the north and guard the wall. So, those are my thoughts on Game of Thrones. And I'm going to call it good for there. I will talk to you more later in the week. I hope you all have a wonderful one. Take care. Bye-bye.